0: Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Offsite Podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos Caballo. And I'm Jason Ransumi. Good day, Carlos. How are you going? Livid about this shine down the middle of my head. You can see the light, the, the lighting set up in this WeWork office is going really to be a bit of a like full egg above here at the moment, which is not cool. You've self-ball joked yourself at all. Yeah. Um, I'd rather <laughs> self-ball <laughs> joke than you say it. It makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> yeah, cool. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We, uh, As you know, we've got a couple of new starters joining the team here. And um, one of the things that we do whenever we post a, a job listing is we have like a bunch of questions. And one of them is to um, tell us a one-liner that we wouldn't have seen on like the first page of Google. Yeah. And there's one that I saw the other day when we were reviewing candidates. It's had me like laughing whatever I think about it. Uh, so I'm actually going to turn up with a one-liner and it's, um, we can drink 10 liters of petrol and live to tell the tale. Jerry can.
0: <laughs>
2: nice. that's, that's, oh, that's
0: very, very good that's pretty good actually and the broad I range of our liners that we've had over the years that's definitely one of the better ones <laughs> yeah
1: with half of them you Beans. couldn't yeah I, you would get uh you would get like an explicit warning on the uh, on
3: the on the podcast absolutely
1: cool today uh we have a couple of guests joining us Carlos, and i guess the context in prior weeks you know we we spoke about I guess you thought like non-traditional planning or things that are like programmatically uh, generating schedules or maybe different use cases for AI, and this was triggered off the back of I think you saw a demo of Alice being used on a section of the High Speed Two project uh, over there in the UK. So today, I guess. Peter Rautenbach and Pat Banks. And they work for, let's say, a kind of skunk works within Deswick. So Deswick's like a very successful mining software company. And they've got a ton of smarts around things like optimized mine planning and mass hall routes. And so um, I guess I thought I'd ask Pat and Peter to join us. Peter, Pat, hello. Welcome. Thanks for hey, staying mate. up. Yeah,
0: hey, Matt. Thanks, Thanks for Rob's. inviting us. Peter, your LinkedIn, I've never scrolled for so long on a LinkedIn page before. Uh, there's a lot going on. RSCS, South African Council of QSs, Engineers Without Borders, You Speak Four Languages, Major Awards, you've got courses in yoga, in Python, in oh, contract I don't law. not even know the like, yoga? There's, there's everything on there. <laughs> so it's like, oh shit, where do I start here? You That's started funny. as a QS. You then had quite a big focus on BIM. How did you tie those two together? What was the transition? Oh, so you just got me thinking about the yoga actually. Um, but you um, didn't do that
3: one another day. Uh, um, oh, it actually starts with yoga. I, I,
0: was, I, was...
2: <laughs> I want to hear this now. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was, you want uh, to see proof as well, show us something. <laughs> <it. laughs> oh,
3: <my God. laughs> no, um, I was. Um, I was working in Australia. I was working for a mining company um, and I got married and my wife and I were like, oh, let's go, let's go traveling for a year before, you know, life gets serious. So we went traveling for a year and we started with a yoga course in Dresden, which I thought would be easy, but it ended up being really intense. It was this like master yoga teacher called uh, Nikki Knopf, who just like, I've never done anything so hard in my life. But it was it was quite good, <laughs> that was the start of it. And anyway, after the yoga course um, and the travelling for a year, I came back to Australia and I didn't have uh, didn't have uh, work, and um, I ended up getting a job with a contractor in Central Queensland, doing a ten on four or five per roster as their commercial manager, and um, it was a really tough job. And um it was just claims every day and it was you know, it was it was rough as guts and it was war. And I was putting in all these claims and often you you know have to share extension of time and your claims and you know, causation and all of that. And they would just look at my V6 schedules and excel and say so, so worked <laughs> colorable way. Um and then one of the engineers on our side was pretty good at 3D models and Navisworks and we started time-lapsing what had happened with access issues and stuff. And then suddenly uh, I started winning these claims, which was good. So we got some money, but then also the, the, the fitters on site and the electricians and they got really interested in these models and they'd be sitting in my side office in the morning, being like, Hey, uh, can we get access there? And the electrician would be like, no, nah, you know, forget that. You're not going in there. We're in there today. And I was like, Oh, this is magic. Somebody's actually listening to a plan for what's important. and And, and, and I was actually struggling with the claims because we never did what we said we were going to do so it's hard to justify a thing when <laughs> i won't say which job it was but you know it was great that we were actually following the plan but it was all visualized so i got really into burn um through that and um thought you know like you know i really like how we can use models to plan our work and then you yeah. learned a bit of 4d planning and um, got, into, got into that a bit and then um yeah and then um, I was at a conference and I saw this guy doing a talk, his name's John Merchant, and he was talking while he was, and while he was talking, he was coding this bridge. Um, and I was sitting there and my mark just dropped because it was the first time I saw, um, you know, generative design or, um, and he was using Grasshopper and he would say, you know, make three columns and design this bridge and bridge was getting designed forever. So I was like, wow, this is. This, this is really blowing my mind. So I went and I had a chat with them afterwards and I was like, do you reckon we could build a schedule using this? And then John and I spent quite a lot of time building a, it was a structural little building and um, we designed it programmatically and then we wrote a program to design the schedule and then it got built through the schedule and we visualized that it was really cool. Uh, but it was useless because it had no resources or
0: anything like that. If, <laughs> you <know, you>, like... <laughs> if you use uh, AI or schedule, okay? <laughs> <laughs> If you're using AI to design something with schedule in mind, is is it like a schedule optimized design? Do you know what I mean? So it's you can ask yeah, them to make yeah. it the most efficient design based on program.
2: Yeah.
0: Is
3: that- None of this was AI. This was all just right. coding where you give right, a computer good. a parameter and say, I want you to build a building for me with so many stories and then it designs it for you. But it's not, you don't actually have to draw a line, you know? And the same yeah, way yeah. with the scheduling. You don't have to type a task. You just say, if the task is concrete, or concrete. And if the cubic meters are 30 cubic meters, give it this duration. And if it's on level two, make sure everything on level one is done. And So you're just giving yeah, the okay. rules, and yeah, it's, it's on a schedule. So it's not AI. It's, it's rule-based. Yeah, so that's how I got to do it. And then I met Desirek, and I was like, what? You guys do this for real life? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, 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 how, that's how I ended up doing this now. Nice. And do you still do the yoga? I do. I, I'm not nearly as good as I as, it used to be, and I only do, like, 15 minutes. But, yeah, I, I do a little bit of it. Definitely, I go for runs twice
1: a week, usually. so yeah. Great, very nice. I I think the main takeaway for me there was, uh, like I used to have a construction director on a project when I worked in London, and sometimes we would have a little uh, complaint about the quantity surveyors, and he always say, like, where are we getting these quantity surveyors? Are we just getting them off the street? And now I know that we're just getting them off yoga retreats in Dresden, and that's where where they're coming from. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we haven't done one episode right jason hasn't pegged fun at a qs no, that's it. I gotta be in there. so i guess uh to
1: kick off peter and and maybe to set the scene like we've talked a number of times before about the idea of generating schedules and that for some types of projects um, traditional planning methods of like building steps up and then linking them together don't drive like the optimal results. And, you know, we talked about the use case of Earthworks where in my experience, mass hall plans would, you know, the development involved a supervisor getting in a car, driving around a site, smoking a few cigarettes and saying, okay, here's the mass hall plan. And um, so I guess to maybe start, set the scene and and give, give some A way to get into the context of a use case. If we were to focus on earthworks, yeah, tell us like what you see at Deswick and how masshole
3: planning looks today, and then what it can be. I guess you know to set the context. We we didn't start realizing what a problem masshole was until we got to site with our clients. um, To be honest, it wasn't the first thing that we that we, that we approached and, um, because it's, it's a little bit different in construction to mining as well. Um, it's quite intricate in construction compared to mining, I guess, but can jump in there. But what, what we found is that we often find that there's a problem with quantification, quantifying the job as a stop. Like a lot of our clients, the, um, supervisors and engineers on site aren't aware of what their current quantities are. So we helped them achieve that first on site by. Actually, taking the design model, using the drone scan off the side, turning that drone scan mm. into a surface, and then we could chop up where the work was done to and where the work was supposed to get to, and the difference would be your remaining work, and the opposite obviously would kind cut. Of so we're able to build these pretty cool, yeah, reports effectively. Just and and you know, it's, it's basic stuff. You know, the super the engineer would be like. You know, thank you. I finally got some quantities. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then those quantities were cut up by a different material types. Um, so you had a better idea of what you could do. Um, but then, very quickly, um, the mass hole problem came after that because what, what, what we were finding um, is that it's done in Excel, it's really slow. Um, people, you know, they sit there with this sheet. And if it's a big job, hundreds of Hundreds of rows and hundreds of collars of yeah. the same thing. And they're trying to make it go from top left to bottom right. Because theoretically, yeah, yeah. that should be the beast hole. But then they're going to get stuck because I've already filled that fill with other dirt. And they're yeah. like, oh, damn, where am I going to find like, some cuts yeah, yeah. for this fill or the opposite? And then you've got to start again. It was quite a painful process. And yeah, I guess what we found was that they often mass all doesn't get done a lot on projects by advance and it kind of ends up being the supervisor driving around doing it on the back of a cigarette box or in, in PowerPoint. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that was kind of the, how we got there and how we solved it. And in mining, we do solve similar problems, but this one was a little bit unique and, and Pat can probably talk about that because he wrote a lot of the code.
2: Yeah. Well, um, basically what we do in mining is we, 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 it's a, it's a slightly different problem because you've got a lot of materials in a tight space that, um, very constrained by what you call your cut shed, where you've got to dig it up because you're digging up something that's valuable. And then you've got to put it somewhere because you're putting either you're dumping your waste somewhere and you might have to be careful about your waste materials, um, because they might be acid forming, need capping or something yep. like that. But it's very constrained on the cut schedule, which is in mining, the mining schedule where you're targeting uh, valuable material to send to market on a ship. But when we get to the mass wall problem in civil, it's not driven so much by that, but more by practicality. And what we were able to do is take some optimization knowledge we have on a differently framed scheduling problem and then pull it back out take the time element out of it and more optimize where material goes in a global scale and then start scheduling at that point because that that more soon turn a surface-based, infrastructure-based problem.
1: It's super interesting. I've not really thought of it like that. So I guess if I was to uh, try and state back to you, what you're saying is like in a, in a, in a mining scenario, you've got this uh, cut schedule where you're constrained by what you've got like more fixed constraints on this material ends up here, this material ends up here, this material ends up here. But in the construction scenario, you've got a, it's coming from here, it needs to go here, but but you're almost like balancing, you've got more unknowns maybe? Is that a... Yeah. Story?
2: Yeah, well, the, the additional unknowns, so the, the constraints in mining, um, uh-huh. a lot of vertical stacking constraints where you're digging, say, right. um, a medium-sized open pit might be a couple of hundred meters deep and you've got 10-meter benches. So you've got couple of dozen benches that yes. you have to basically take off one at a time with maybe a, a one or two bench. Over. You might have three open benches at once, but when you're looking at a, a, a big surface infrastructure problem, you've only got one or two materials, maybe three yep. materials ever open at once. And you can, you can do this over the whole area of the project, whatever timing suits your, um, your plan, you, you know, your optimal, distribution of resources you're not as constrained as mining so we took we reversed the mining problem and we said well what would we do if we could get access to all these surface areas of once and try and distribute materially more cost effectively
1: yeah so that like lack of those constraints so that you could almost start anywhere and it's not stuff stuck beneath other stuff means the not, problem, as much. not as much but the problem's almost like harder to solve for a human because there's like infinite number of ways that you could try and like solve
3: the Rubik's cube oh, uh, and
0: fair. find, yeah. And, and uh, we've
3: actually got uh, an algorithm that, that what it's built to solve and again, in fact, just jump in the yeah, because you've done about more of this than I, but you know, you cut the schedule and then it says, where's the best place to place the stuff that I've just cut. Whereas, and that, that's been in those for years, And it's automated scheduling. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a scheduling. greedy algorithm.
2: Um, is a, a technical term for it. It's something yeah. that just solves. That's right. why I call what, car right in front of it.
3: Yeah. Um, but then we actually found that that was very similar to the given behavior that we were seeing right. outside as well.
2: Exactly. They're, they're, they're yeah, supervisor <laughs> driving around in suits doing the same thing. It's like, how can I get out of this shift and just get to the next one?
3: Um, yeah. So that wasn't actually solving the problem. So. We almost had to build a middle stage where the engineer can say, firstly, I just want to cut and fill between this and this area because this is a separable portion and I need to finish this first. And this type of material can go there. And then we let the algorithm solve it. So we've almost had to bring a little bit more human intervention into it. uh, Yeah. So you can apply
1: some more like upfront constraints that sort of uh, reduce the problem set a little bit or like apply more rules to it yeah mm. so peter right at the start you mentioned that like this mass hall planning like given it's done in a spreadsheet it's really time consuming and difficult for an engineer to do they have to go through iterative process in a, in a spreadsheet therefore i imagine uh, with my engineer hat on that i probably want to do that the least number of times possible as the project starts as like construction starts you know dirt starts getting moved around things happen delays happen we find rock where we didn't expect rock we find issues where we didn't expect issues so many times on previous projects similar to the original mass hall plan the supervisor drives out drives around a bit and goes here's the new mass hole plan uh, to work around this problem is is what you're doing with clients like helping them Typically at the the tender stage, at like the pre-construction stage, or is it is it throughout the like the construction phase? Because it would
3: definitely be something valuable then as well. Yeah, we 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 work with different clients, different phases. We we're working with uh, with an owner at the moment, pre-engineering even um, on one of our projects. So yeah, uh, that's cool. and in mining traditionally we 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 stop quite early, um, but because of construction, we don't really have a name. And nobody has money the pre construction phase. We've kind of had to start at the back and, and, and earn our keep, so to speak. So we started off right at this back when they were like, oh, we don't know what's happening at this job anymore. Can you just help us get some quantities? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We start with doing the drone flights. Our first job was effectively that so that they could get paid. This, yeah. Yeah, this is how much of this dirt you've cut this month put that into a progress thing um yeah and then we were like hey do a little bit of planning off of that but like oh you know, that's kind of where we started we're trying to get you know through the life cycle now uh, because you know the earlier you are you can really make those decisions that can that can have a big impact
1: I'd imagine like at that tender phase for sure and 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 immediately following you can have a massive impact the right mass
3: plan yeah but um yeah so then you know uh, but to answer your question yes so and, and and that's not our technology. We use other tools um, that that do the flyover and processing of the drone technology. We just import that usually as a last file uh, and then bring it into our software. Uh, but that's really enabled something very powerful for us because you can effectively do a full update of your schedule at you know ten meter changes to the you know quite accurate and do a progress update, but then you can plan off the remaining works with the same algorithm mm-hmm. you previously had very quickly in minutes. Uh, yeah. You so you, bu- you
1: build a plan that will will be able to progress it, I guess, uh, really quickly and then
3: adjust the the remaining plan based on where progress is at. And most of our clients aren't quite there, but if you are tracking your productivity of your fleets and your vehicles, you can adjust your your initial productivity rates as well. So you can get a more accurate view of what you are going to do in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Sorry, I've hogged all the questions. Carlos,
0: do you have anything yeah. you'd like to ask the gentleman? I'm going to caveat this with, um, I've never experienced a mining project. So apologies if my questions were like oversimplified. I thought you were
1: um, going to caveat it with I'm a quantity surveyor, but I think by now that's sufficiently. That, that's not a warning. Of, that's uh, like, ca- uh,
0: <laughs> <what's> the opposite <laughs> of a warning. Yeah. Um, I want to sort of focus on so uh, obviously the haulage aspect you mentioned optimization with my qs hat on obviously you focused on the optimization being like uh location-based mission how much in terms of if you think about what is optimal do you think about like cost and then maybe think about carbon based on i don't know distances that vehicles are moving and things like that yeah
2: oh, uh, no excellent question if i can take this one pete I was just, I'll, I'll let you take
3: the question, but I just want to say something as well, which is very um, important. You can be my shelter again. That's just um, I'm also a about surveyor. I know.
0: <laughs> my next question is about that. <laughs> I wasn't going to
2: say <laughs> anything.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: I, did, I did my research before. I'm coming back to that <laughs> yeah, I'm <Pat>, <laughs> Okay, in terms of optimization, like we've got, we've got a um, lot of history optimizing things, and we've had we've had plenty of discussions about what the word optimal even means. But in a mathematical term, it means you cannot do better. And what we're doing at the moment, mathematically in this skunk works, as we've mentioned before, is getting the minimum possible combination of distance moved by volume. So at the moment. That's what we're optimising. But what some of our other tools in mining that work in a different space in, in the mining scheduling, so that the stuff that is more based on the schedule and the excavation of benches and time periods, that looks at a few more parameters. So instead of multiplying distance by volume, we they are multiplying right. fuel burn, cycle time, anything that contributes to your cost. So... We're at the point of bringing those parameters into this um, approach to it at the moment. So we're we're going to be doing the same thing. So we we can calculate the fuel burn of a particular route um, based on its change in gradient, its distance, the the rim pull of the truck, the fuel consumption of the truck, and we can calculate that for any given haul. So if we plug that in the same algorithm, we can then optimize for the minimum total fuel burn for any given scenario. And and that's that's what we're working towards. We don't have it yet, but it's it's not far off. So
1: to, to double click and sorry sorry to jump in on top of your colours, but it's super interesting, pad So so what does that actually look like in terms of the setup for, for in the mining scenario? Do you define the like fleet going in or is the the fleet yes. sort of emergent thing? Okay.
2: So you need to know the trucks that you're using and you need to know the fuel consumption, their capacity. Um, all of those bits and pieces that tell you how much fuel you're burning to move a cubic meter of materials from point A to point B. Okay. And we, we get that from the manufacturers. We get that from site records, calibration, GPS tracking. If we can clean that all up and say, okay, we can now confidently say that moving here to here along this route will burn this much fuel, then, then we can plug that in and, and say, well, this is how to burn the least amount of fuel possible.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. And does does that work across like a, a mix like, that might have like scrapers and stuff in it as well?
2: Yeah,
3: yep. yeah. We wow, that's cool. I, I, maybe just at the, we 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 usually just start with the cat hat look because it's yeah. quite readily available. Um, yeah,
2: but but then <laughs> yeah. For a pet, Pat
1: doesn't I believe are, the but, numbers in the cat handbook. Is what we. I don't believe together. the numbers in the
2: cat handbook. I think they're a bit optimistic. So that's why we then then go back to site records and we calibrate on on what actually happens.
3: But I was also going to say our, our mining business is looking very heavily at electrification now, yeah. both electric trucks or trolley assisted trucks. Um, yeah. So you know they're spending a lot of time on on understanding them and yeah. developing technology to plan that better as well.
2: There's, there's even some, uh, battery, um, trolley charging. Mm-hmm. So charge on the fly, trolley trucks, um, um being worked on at the moment. Yeah.
1: Peter, do you see, uh, in any of the like construction clients that you talk to, uh, any real interest movement in any electrification of fleet for even on the biggest of projects?
3: I haven't seen anything on electrification or fleets on the infrastructure projects, to be honest, um, but I have had questions about carbon. I'm not sure if, you know, we're just missing it over here. but generally what I've seen is people just like reconciling fuel slips to try and report on carbon, but I haven't actually seen much carbon planning in the civil space, to be honest. And I've heard of people talk about, you know, using your cubic meters of dirt your carbon planning, which I guess is a start. But ultimately, I think your mass will drives it because it's the distance and the volumes that those trucks move and the gradients that they move them on. That, that that's going to drive your carbon on a civil job. Yeah,
1: Carlos, just jumping back to you because I, I, I know we've spoken about this before and I, and I think you were going to ask a question about carbon as well um, because the, there's a lot of uh, emphasis over there in the UK about planning for carbon and considering carbon in decisions about
0: projects. And I actually had a conversation with a guy who got funding for a company that claims they can retrofit, uh, batteries to these large haulage mining trucks. So he claimed it was the next wild thing. Uh, we'll see what to that soon, but that completely changes your drivers then, right? Because if suddenly fuel isn't the issue, you can completely spin the other two parameters, which is cost of program and drive it in a completely different direction if doing double the distance in a truck doesn't, no longer has a negative effect to an extent you could then completely optimize it in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Just on that point that you said, uh,
3: I, I, I said that I haven't seen much of real electrification stuff on the infrastructure side, but I have
0: seen a lot of that in mining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there seems definitely. to be, uh, particularly on the major schemes here, there's quite substantial use of like electric plate and everything like that, um, yeah. which is good.
1: Thank cool. <laughs> you. Uh, conscious of time. So thank you very much, guys, for joining us. And, and thank you very much, everyone, for listening.